Hi, this is Deanna Thompson Brewer, and you're listening to North Augusta on Top. Hey, hey North Gorgeous. Welcome to North Augusta on Top, a new podcast experience that celebrates the power of community through storytelling, conversations with leaders, and our virtual marketplace, the North Augusta on Top Shop, where every purchase benefits the causes featured on our episodes. Become an engaged listener by joining the movement at NorthAugustaOnTop.com, where we're working together to turn a city in South Carolina's long overdue coming-of-age story into its success story. North Augusta, this one's for you. I'm your host, native North Augustan, but now full-blown New Yorker, Joseph Stanick. And that's a sound effect. Nobody's clapping for me right now. It's been 19 years since I've lived in North Augusta, and now I create television specials, live concert events, Grammy award-winning educational initiatives, and now podcasts that try to cover the entire spectrum of philanthropic causes, but are unified by their abilities to help change the world. Each episode of North Augusta on Top is designed to benefit one of the following industries in North Augusta, South Carolina. Historical preservation, education, urban development, training in the fine arts, animal rights, local farms and gardens, and live theater. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe to anything and everything you can possibly like, comment, share, and subscribe to that's related to North Augusta on Top because this is a gift that really only works if the community takes advantage of it. The more y'all listen, learn, and shop, the more prosperous the city of North Augusta becomes. That's just how we do it up here at the top, with North Augusta on top. This is episode three, entitled The Lyric Coloratura Soprano Next Door. Somebody pinched me because my guest is a lyric coloratura. You'll find out what that means in a moment. By the name of Deanna Thompson Brewer. It's actually Dr. Deanna Thompson Brewer. And the proceeds from this episode's product sales will, I can't believe I'm saying this either, benefit the Jesse Norman School of the Arts by providing scholarships to pay for private lessons for those in our community with a passion for visual art, creative writing, drama, dance, and or music, both instrumental and vocal performance. For those of you that know me, yes, I am freaking out. The late, great Jesse Norman was and still is my life's most profound inspiration And any success I've been lucky enough to experience can be traced back to the seeds of inspiration she sowed in the garden of my heart when I was a wee lad growing up in North Augusta. The first time I stood on stage at the Metropolitan Opera was truly a sacred moment. Not because I had dreamed of standing there for so long, but because that's the spot where my hero, Jessie Norman, stood and sang with her voice heard around the world. So not only are we benefiting my Heroes Arts Foundation in this episode, but we're doing it through a collaboration with someone who is so amazing that I'm still not 100% sure I didn't make her up and am living out some sort of weird delusion right now. No, seriously. Deanna Thompson Brewer is the answer to a prayer I didn't even realize I needed to pray. Does that ever happen to y'all? Hear me out here. As I was planning these episodes for North Augusta on Top, I carefully scouted each of the guests from specific industries and occupations, intentionally covering as many bases as possible to affect the most number of industries across North Augusta. And slowly, I filled the spots one by one, until one night, I realized I only had one spot left. (laughs) These things sneak up on you. I'll never forget this, I couldn't sleep that night, so I had my laptop out in the living room, and suddenly I had this moment of sadness pour over me from out of nowhere. 
I was quick to identify the cause of it because it had been on my mind. It felt like such a shame to me that I wasn't able to feature a classical musician from North Augusta on this podcast. At the end of the day, Joseph Stanek is a classical musician. It'll be on my tombstone. Those are my people. This podcast was meant to advance the economic and cultural development of North Augusta, and if there's one subject that I would be proudest to feature, it would be classical music. I told my fiancé that I felt sort of like a fraud, because I just knew that finding a classical musician, gosh, a vocalist, would have been great. Like, I'm talking about a bona fide opera singer who's doing something with their craft, forging a path, making an impact on the community like the other guests I've booked on the podcast. I just knew that this doesn't exist in North Augusta. Surely I would have heard about somebody. The classical music scene in North Augusta is quite intimate. And even living here in New York City, I would surely have heard about somebody like this if they ever existed. Plus, they need to be innovative in some way, bringing something to the table new that is shaping North Augusta's future. So what could I do to be at peace with this feeling of incompetence? Well, I never actually looked for a musician that fit the bill. I might as well give it a Google search to say that I did it right. But I mean, surely. It was like 3 a.m., I didn't have my contacts in, and I had no clue where my glasses were, so my face was like four inches from the laptop screen as I googled the words, Voice Lessons North Augusta. The perfect search phrase to find local classical singers because teaching voice is just what we do. I squinted really hard at the screen, and right there at the top was a search result from the Jesse Norman School of the Arts, of course. My childhood hero's living legacy she bestowed upon her hometown. The website page was called... Private Lessons, Deanna Thompson Brewer. And there was a headshot next to the result. When I see a headshot in auditions, there's a certain look in a person's eyes that is rarely captured on film, but I can recognize it immediately. It's like a look that says to me, buckle up. (laughs) It's a type of confidence that is both quiet and bursting at the seams simultaneously, if that makes any sense. And I didn't need my glasses in that moment because I could feel that look burning like fire up at me from the singer's thumbnail headshot on the webpage. (laughs) So I listened to the look and I buckled up. The excerpt that flagged the search results read, Lyric coloratura soprano, Dr. Deanna Thompson Brewer currently lives in North Augusta with her husband. Dang it. I knew it was too good to be true. I can't stand it when people just throw around the term coloratura soprano, because in New York City, at least, it's overused and rarely an accurate description of the singer that's flaunting it. A coloratura soprano is a classification of soprano singers who have impossibly agile voices reaching up into the stratosphere. I'd say 90% of the women who claim to be coloraturas are not, in fact, true coloraturas. So much so that I've started to resent people that call themselves that. (laughs) I always think to myself, oh, you're a coloratura. Ooh, I'd love to hear your queen of the night aria. (laughs) It shuts them down every time. What's commonly referred to as the queen of the night aria is the operatic world's most notoriously difficult aria due to its menacing upper register staccato passages that require a specialized, God-given vocal instrument and a lifetime of dedication and pedagogical training in order to attempt to sing it, let alone master it. This piece of music is an absolute 
requirement if you're going to call yourself a coloratura soprano. It has to be a selection in the repertoire you perform. It's a rite of passage that really only the best of the best can master. But when it's mastered, let me tell you, it is a mighty pretty feather in a true coloratura soprano's hat. It wasn't long until I came across a video Deanna Thompson Brewer had posted on Facebook of her rehearsing this exact piece of music. You see these all the time with classical musicians. It's a constructive way to both see and hear yourself from the audience's perspective, and sometimes it turns out to be not so bad. So we post it to social media so our followers get an idea of what goes on behind the scenes. The thumbnail of the video shows Deanna in her sweats, standing profile to the camera. She's probably singing toward a mirror off camera, I would say. This is exactly what I was searching for. And now I could say I at least put a small bit of effort into finding a classical vocalist in North Augusta so I could move on with some sort of plan B. I literally muttered the words, good luck, out loud to myself as I clicked play on the video. North Augusta. I thought we were friends. Friends don't keep secrets from each other like this. What, did you think I wasn't going to find out about, oh, you know, the insanely talented lyric coloratura whose vocal skills are, in a word, sickening that you've been hiding from me? Come on. That is the queen of the night, Aria. In a rehearsal, by the way. The next five hours were torturous as I forced myself to wait until the decent hour of 8 a.m. to contact her. <laughs> a consummate professional, she responded immediately, and I was able to confirm that yes, she is a real person, and yes, North Augusta has served her very well as her home for many years. One glance at her upcoming schedule on her website, and you can tell she's figured out how to use the CSRA's sweet spot centralized location to her advantage. She's a mainstay headliner in the American Southeast's highest tier of classical music ensembles, literally the best of the best, bouncing from gig to gig, from Charleston to Raleigh, Kennesaw to Aiken, from Columbia to Mobile. She's graced stages in Switzerland, New York City, Hawaii, and an impressive list of other international locations, delivering an imposing range of performances in fully staged and costumed operas, intimate recitals with piano accompaniment, orchestral concerts, and chamber music concerts for which she is the featured soprano soloist. And, you know, if all these people are smart, I know they've got to be hiring her to give masterclasses to each of these cities' local aspiring singers as part of their community outreach initiatives, because I bet she gives a killer masterclass too with her experience teaching voice at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts, which is how she spends her time when she's not on the road. Also, she has a toddler. Yeah. Deanna also brings some other unique traits to the North Augusta on Top guest lineup. For one, she's the only one that doesn't physically live or work directly in the city of North Augusta. She still counts, though, because North Augusta was her address for years, and she only recently bought a house in Augusta. She continues to maintain a voice studio where anybody in North Augusta can train with her, and the Jesse Norman School of the Arts doesn't discriminate based on state residencies, so it's North Augusta's one-stop shop for comprehensive fine arts education and training. In fact, Deanna is a very vocal advocate, <laughs> pun intended, for providing access to underprivileged students that are interested in studying music, and she's asked that the proceeds from this episode's product sales be donated as scholarships to those that can't afford private lessons at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts. North Augusta, we are so lucky 
to have her around. She's also the only guest with a doctorate degree, as if she's not cool enough already. For supporters of the arts, and especially fans of Jesse Norman everywhere, the North Augusta On Top shop offers the only opportunity in the world to purchase merchandise and gifts bearing the name of one of the greatest opera singers in history, Augusta native Jesse Norman, and the school that represents her life's legacy. 100% of the proceeds from these purchases will benefit the Jesse Norman School of the Arts in its mission to provide access to quality arts education for people of all ages throughout the CSRA. This episode came at a time when I needed it the most, when I questioned the authenticity of it in context of my original hopes for it. Thanks to Coloratura Soprano, Dr. Deanna Thompson Brewer, and the Jesse Norman School of the Arts, my goals for this podcast have now been fully met and surpassed beyond measure. To provide access to arts education for members of North Augusta's community while also sustaining my lifetime inspiration's legacy that she left for the betterment of society... Yeah, this, to me, is the true value of community right there. Thanks to everybody for being a part of it. Right after the theme song, we'll hear a very special North Augusta moment, followed by a life-changing musical excerpt sung by this episode's guest. And finally, Be Still My Heart, we will chat with the woman single-handedly giving life to classical singing in the CSRA, both as a full-time, in-demand performer and as a private voice instructor. Buckle up. Let's build a city of paradise. Cross the river up on the hilltop where the grass is greener and the folks are nice. Tea is sweet and the fireworks pump. North Augusta. North Augusta. North Augusta. We like it on top. Hi, I'm Maddie Urich, and this is my North Augusta moment. I was raised as a kid who was heavily involved and interested in theater. From the time I was in elementary school, my parents were always getting season passes for us to go see whatever shows were coming to town. I remember seeing Will Rogers' Follies and going to see The Secret Garden, Guys and Dolls all at the Bell Auditorium over in Augusta, and that's just how I was raised. I loved theater from a very early age. When people talked about popular music, to me, it was like the new Broadway soundtracks, you know, that you actually had to get on physical CDs and wait forever for them to come out. So that was just something that was just really critical to me from a young age. The culture of that time was really big for like churches to do musicals. You could go and purchase musicals for like your youth group to do. That was like a very popular thing at the time. The bigger churches in North Augusta did things like that, but it was definitely not at the school level. There was a nearby magnet art school that I was really interested in going to, but there were some strange residency requirements that um, kept me from going there. Anyways, I ended up in North Augusta High School um, at just the perfect time. It was just such a critical time, I think, for North Augusta. Freshman year, really, if you were interested in the arts, you could be in band, and that was about it. There was no orchestra program in North Augusta at that time. Like, orchestra wasn't a thing. There was chorus, but it wasn't as advanced as, as the band program or as a Established, I should say. Maybe it was fabulous when I was in ninth grade and I didn't know anything about it. But our 10th grade year, things really started to just take off. We had a team of people come to North Augusta who were excited about getting chorus off the ground and really starting with a musical 
had not been done in recent past at the high school level, to my knowledge, in a long time. And I think it was just probably an organic conversation is what I pieced together. Like, hey, we love theater. Hey, I love choral music. Hey, let's do a musical. And I think that that is probably something that they just volunteered to do, like through mutual conversation and passion for it. But I have never heard them exactly describe it that way. That's just what I've kind of pieced together. And I think the cool thing about it is it brought people and kids from like every avenue of the school. We had football players and cheerleaders who wanted to be involved. Band kids wanted to be involved. Like me, I was just in the band. And then just like your average kids who just were there at the school were just like signing up to get involved in this. And it was so cool because we had never experienced anything like that before. We had the opportunity to build the sets and come in on Saturdays and to work. I remember working over spring break and the people running it were like, yeah, we have to come in and work on this over spring break. Like this needs to get done. And I was like, are you kidding? We had practice schedules and an audition process callback auditions, getting all the costumes together and doing stage makeup and microphones and choreography rehearsals. I remember it being very nerve-wracking. Like, I mean, I literally physically can remember sitting in that room during callbacks. You're literally watching someone else do a part and then it's your turn to do the exact same part, but in your own way. And that is not something that, you know, we had necessarily been prepared for. It was just like, well, this is what we're doing. Gosh, what an intimidating process for like a high school kid to go through, but what a beneficial process for them to go through, you know, to get to see and to experience that. I was Ursula and I had to scream on stage and like scream night after night after night because I was so excited to see Conrad Birdie. Um, I screamed when I saw Conrad Birdie and fainted. And that was kind of like my deal. The show ran, I think it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. And the Saturday night, that would have been April 21st, 2001, the Saturday night show, and there was a guy that I had been kind of hanging around. His name was Kyle, and he was one of those kids who was just, had not really been previously involved in musical theater. And, you know, even today, he's not really one of those people who would say he's a super big fan of musical theater. He just wanted to be involved, and he participated in the play and had a part in the play. And right before the last song of the final night, he asked me out, and he said, you know, can we go on a date sometime? Oh, by the way, I can't actually go on a date until June when I'm 16, but like, can we go out then? So he did, and we went out then. He asked me out April 21st, 2001. We ended up dating. We dated through college, and April 21st, 2007, we said, I do, and we were married. And the rest after that is history. That was 17 years ago, this April. We have two children and just have a fabulous life, and we are just so thankful and so blessed. Truly, that musical has made a tremendous impact on our life. Anytime we, you know, hear a reference to Bye Bye Birdie, it just kind of makes us smirk a little bit, and we kind of laugh to ourselves like the musical brought us together. So I was known as the screamer, and that is something that my, my now husband's parents, this still like regularly comes up. Like, yeah, when Kyle said, yeah, the girl I like is in this musical, and they were like, oh, who was she? It was so great. He was like, she's the one who was screaming. They haven't let me live it down since then. <laughs> yeah. If I would not have stayed at North Augusta and become involved in the arts program in the public schools there, I would not 
have had the passion that I have for public school education and public school arts programs now. I mean, it was just a critical opportunity that was totally unexpected. I mean, it just, it's like they moved in, we did it, and the rest is history, literally. Maddie Yurick, thank you so much for sharing that North Augusta moment with us. I was in that production of Bye Bye Birdie 2, and hearing Maddie talk about it just now brought back so many memories for me. You know, my name was misspelled on the cast t-shirts that we made and sold during that production, and to this day, people refer to me as Jospeth Stanek. <laughs> They've even shortened it to Jospy. <laughs> yeah, that production of Bye Bye Birdie was really special. It changed my life, too. I never would have moved to New York City or performed on Broadway or produced the first benefit concert ever at the Roman Coliseum. I mean, anything I've done. Wow. We can all blame Bye Bye Birdie for everything that's happened to us since. (laughs) By now, y'all should know that I could sing Deanna Thompson Brewer's praises all day. But now I'm going to let her do the singing. Here she is singing an excerpt from the famous mad scene at the end of the tragic opera Lucia di Lammermoor. She's accompanied by the University of Georgia Orchestra. Buckle up. Welcome to North Augusta on Top. Before you say a word, I need to ask you how in the world you pulled off Lucia's mad scene so perfectly without being able to see the conductor or the flute soloist from where you were standing downstage in the spotlight. Oh my gosh, it was wild. We just we just practiced it a lot of times with because they're behind me. Like that's not that's not how this yeah. normally goes. Yeah, we just practiced and just kind of were in sync. And that particular night, we were a hundred percent in sync. 
Luckily, the next time you sang this aria, you were able to test drive that new pair of eyes in the back of your head that every woman develops with motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> if I've done the math right, the next time you sang this, you were... Yeah, I sang that four months, four and a half months pregnant. So, sorry, sorry. Um, that was me falling out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Singing Lucia is like climbing to the top of Mount Everest in the opera world. How, how did you do that pregnant? After the first trimester, the second trimester, singing was incredible. I, the first trimester, I was out of breath um, more than normal. I still managed to sing, but second trimester, I had incredible breath control and support, and I had enough baby to give me some solid resistance. Like, now I didn't have a corset. I had something in front of me to lean against. It was, was pretty spectacular. <laughs> Do you see yourself playing Lucia again on stage? Or are you like, nope, check, been there, done that, got the recording to prove it, moving on? So the Lucia that I did, we did a semi-stage production. So I absolutely want to do a fully staged production of Lucia. I have made that known to as many directors who I've worked with. If you want to ever hire me for anything, I will come for, for crackers <laughs> just to sing this role. It's definitely a, a dream role of mine to do that again. You hear that, North Augusta? How quickly can we put together a fully staged opera at the Sharon Jones Amphitheater? <laughs> Thanks again for letting me play that recording. Your voice is just extraordinary. And you just look so at home in the spotlight. I feel most authentically myself when I am on stage. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that time is sort of suspended. There's nothing else going on but that moment. And I'm able to be fully in whatever moment that is. Whereas in regular life, I'm like listening for my daughter. Does she need something? There's like a pot on the stove that's doing something. Oh my God, I have this other aria that I need to learn. And I think I need to go mow my mother's lawn. Like there's a hundred thoughts running through my brain at once, but I'm fully present when I'm on stage. That shouldn't make any sense. Most authentically yourself when you're playing someone else on stage. <laughs> but the way that you explained it is, is beautiful. Thank you for that. Okay, Deanna. North Augusta on Top features innovators making a positive impact on the economic and cultural development of North Augusta, South Carolina. Can you tell us a bit about your relationship with North Augusta? My husband and I moved there in 2018, I believe it was, when he was uh, hired to be the director of bands at Davidson. Uh, we originally were living in Milledgeville, Georgia, but then when the opportunity presented itself and he applied and was accepted for the position of director of bands. We decided to move back. And when we were house hunting, we liked the area of North Augusta better. Financially, it was a better option for us. And it put him at a uh, better commute to Davidson because it was like, I think, a 12-minute drive for him to get there. So that's what started us living in North Augusta. And we ended up staying until last year, May of last year. Yeah, we were there for about three years in North Augusta. How did all of this start? So I grew up in Augusta. I went to Davidson for eighth through 12th grade, graduated from there. And then I did my undergraduate degree at, um, it was then the Augusta State University. Now it's just Augusta University. The story that comes to my mind is when I was at Langford Middle School. I was asked to sing a solo for someone who was ill that day or, or some, somehow a bunch of people heard me singing. And it, the word got around to my literature teacher, my math teacher, and literature teacher was Mrs. Jones. My math teacher was Mr. Reed and the school police officer. And they heard about, you know, my singing. And so Mrs. Jones was the one that 
asked me to sing something and I was terribly shy. And so I said, I'll do it, you know, on our bathroom break. And I went into this uh, little corner. It was like a bookshelf was catty cornered. And I went behind the bookshelf so that I could sing because I was terrified of doing it in, in front of anyone. And that's when the, the math teacher, Mrs. Jones, the literature teacher and the police officer pulled me into the hallway to scold me lovingly, uh, saying that, you know, you shouldn't be so shy. You have this wonderful talent, yada, yada, yada. And that's when Mrs. Jones put to me that I should audition for Davidson. And um, that's pretty much what set me on the trajectory that I had. I, I auditioned for Davidson. I actually had my highest score in visual art and I really loved creative writing, but when I sang for the choral director, he was really excited and I enjoyed singing. So, you know, eighth grade, I toyed around with all the things and then kind of focused on singing when I got into high school and then started taking private lessons through uh, Augusta State's conservatory at the time with Patty Myers. Shout out to Patty Myers. She was my voice teacher too. We worked together for my sophomore and junior year. And my senior year, I moved over and switched to Linda Bannister, who I ended up studying with for all four years of my undergraduate degree. But yeah, so that's how it all started. <laughs> Singing behind a bookshelf that's so cool. for my math teacher and my lit teacher. <laughs> you are the opposite of shy now, standing on stage in front of thousands of strangers and delivering moments of, of real vulnerability as Lucia, as the queen of the night. Do you think music helped you overcome your shyness or was that just coincidental timing? Oh my gosh. Um, yes, definitely. It, it helped. But also my dad was, he, he picked up on my shyness. You know, my, I was very, very, very close to my dad and he picked up on all the things about me when I was young. And I remember I used to be terrified when we would go like to McDonald's when I was a kid, like that was a treat and I would hide behind him and he would would say, no, baby, you have to come up and order or you can't get it. Like you've got to order for yourself. And, you know, so he always did things like that lovingly, you know, to try to get me to speak up for myself, to, to be responsible for myself. I mean, I even remember uh, not just along shy, but also like helping me to be independent in general, whenever he would be doing things to the car, changing the oil, changing the tires, whatever he would have me out there doing it too. His whole idea was, I don't know what's going to be your future down the line, so I want to prep you in every possible way to be super self-sufficient. You can care for yourself in this world. So he really pushed pushed that, pushed me to be my best and to be vocal and being a, a music person. I'm always nervous when I sing. I'm never not nervous. I'm always shocked when I hear people who say that they don't get nervous when they sing. I think they're secretly lying, um, <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe they're not. I, th I think I've had one or two experiences where I may have been mentally preoccupied with something else and couldn't, you know, for whatever reason, didn't tap into the same nervous energy. But in general, I'm always really excited and kind of anxious about performing. But, but you know, I'm, I'm a talker now. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in this episode, I played an audio clip of you rehearsing the Queen of the Night's second act aria. What does that feel like? It's really, really wonderful. Act two is still fun, but because of the facility and um, like the, the triplet section or even just the staccati running up to the high F, the high F isn't for me, it isn't so much the issue, but it's the precision and darting all the notes in between. Now that I have a, a larger instrument than, you know, previously, it's like I, I joke around. I'm not taking a, a semi, right, all the way up there, but I'm not taking a Ferrari either. So it's like an F-150, right? So it's, um, it's, a, it's a little different now. Well, you make it all sound effortless, even though I know your life is anything but. Did you model your career after someone who you knew locally, or did you figure out that it's possible to juggle all these gigs simultaneously all on your own? 
No, I'm going to say Jesus made me do it. Listen, I, um, <laughs> I did not know a lot about individual singers careers or how, you know, how they skinned the cat or how they chose to, to, to take the, the paths that they took. I would audition for certain places and whoever said yes, I would go. And then you create a, a reputation with these people. And if you're, if you show up prepared, if you're good at what you do, I mean, if you're, they were, they're not going to hire you if you're not good, right? But you show up prepared, you're at a good colleague and you are a sensitive artist. If those things are present, especially being a wonderful colleague, people will call people and tell people about you or recommend you for other things or even better, you'll get hired back. Right. So those things are really important, especially in the last uh, few years covering people. You know, a, a lot of young people may not necessarily take covering to be as serious of a thing as they need to. I think now people are taking it more seriously because a lot of people are getting sick and having to step down. Um, but it's an opportunity. It's always an opportunity right there for you to step in. You can go on at a moment's notice and people notice what you're doing. Doesn't it feel so good to be the cover that steps in on a moment's notice and nails the part? Yeah. <laughs> None of this is new to you, though. We both got early exposure to professional opera singers as members of the South's oldest opera company, the Augusta Opera Company, which unfortunately had to cease operations in 2009. What was that like for you as a student and at such an early stage in your career? Oh, my gosh. It's one of those, what's the saying? You can't see the forest for the trees. I, I enjoyed it while I was there, but now that I'm older, I realize what a treasure that was to have that opportunity at such a young age to be in the, in the course with the Augusta Opera. The repertoire that I was exposed to, the, the professionals that we were exposed to, because, you know, you and I both did this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the professionals we were exposed to, and um, I can see now what an incredible experience that was to get a taste of what would later become my, my career. Do you see an opera company anywhere in the future for the CSRA? You know, funny you say that. I do. I do. And I hope to be, I hope to be a part of such a thing when it happens. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, opera North Augusta has a nice ring to it. Can somebody make this happen, please? Deanna deserves a residency. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Let's switch gears and talk about you as an educator. Do you like teaching voice lessons? I love teaching so, so, so much. Um, Sometimes it frightens me a little bit because I love people. I really love young people. And the first thing I always tell my students, and it's written in my little uh, policy guide handbook thing, is you are a person first. When it comes to me and my teaching, you are a person first. You are a musician, a student of music second. So we, I'm not attempting to be anyone's therapist, but I understand that the voice is in you. It is tied so intricately to who you are. If you are carrying a weight, if you are experiencing some sort of upset in your life and you come into the studio, I want kids to feel safe. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel like they can let go of whatever's going on out there or share it with me if they want to, to get it off of their chest so that we can get to the making of the music. But I never try to 
push any parts of them to the side and force some sort of, you know, rigid way of learning onto them. So that's one of the biggest things that I love about um, teaching voice is just working with young, hungry and beautiful, excited people. I love also bringing classical technique of classical singing to young people, because oftentimes, you know, we think, well, it's, are you going to make me sound like an opera singer? Well, if you're coming to me <laughs> from classical choral music, probably you, you will probably sound like that. But, you know, Beyonce took voice lessons and she's Beyonce, <laughs> right? <laughs> like there's a fundamental technique with breathing and phonating that can be taught to any student of any style. And so I enjoy when I work with these kids and they're expecting maybe one thing, but get they're enlightened and they learn something else or, oh my gosh, I didn't know my voice could do that. That's always an exciting light bulb that goes off for a lot of kids. When we were messaging back and forth, I could feel you just light up whenever I mentioned that we'd be able to provide some scholarship money through the North Augusta on Top podcast and store to students who might not otherwise be able to afford them at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts. Can you talk a little bit about where your passion for that comes from? I was listening to a replay of an interview on Fresh Air with Misty Copeland just the other day. And so this question hits to that. So she was talking about her life growing up. She was one of six kids. So she had five siblings and her mom had a kind of tumultuous background with relationships. And of course, with six kids, she had a lot of different jobs and wasn't home often or things were very unstable for Misty. I remember one section where she said they were living, I think, in a hotel. In order for her to continue dance lessons, uh, her mom couldn't drive her back and forth, I guess, you know, with work timing and the other kids and everybody's needs. It wasn't going to be a possibility. Probably also some financial or definitely financial issues of some sort relating to her lessons as well. And um, Misty's then, I believe it was her dance teacher at the time, or one of her teachers connected to her in some way with dance, offered to have her stay at her home during the week while she was in school so that she could go to her dance lessons, so she could focus on dance. But what Misty said was, in addition to not having that opportunity for dancing completely removed from her life, she gained so much from being in this family's home. It was a two-parent home. She said she, you know, because her mother was trying very hard just to make ends meet and to get food on the table, any kind of food, it often wasn't the best. And so at this family's house that she was staying with, she got introduced to more nutritious foods. Oh my gosh, basic, basic things in life, more nutritious foods that should be available to us all. She got this experience from staying with this family, but also she said she could hear her own voice for once. And when she was sitting, uh, you know, at the dinner table or wherever, she was able to talk to the husband and the wife that, you know, brought her in. And she said, I got to develop these deep conversations, deep relationship, but also like my own voice. And I got secure in who I was and I learned com different communication skills and things like that. Cause she said prior to then she was severely underdeveloped. She said, emotionally, mentally, physically, all of the things, but being in this mentor's home and getting to experience to her, what seemed like such a privileged you know, a thing on a pedestal that not everybody gets because certainly her family didn't have that. What an eye-opening thing for me. And so 
when I think of my students here, maybe not the, you know, certainly not the exact same circumstances as, as hers, but with my own voice studio, the discrepancies are huge. You know, I have students that tell me I can come home and I have about an hour's time with my family. We spend quality time together and I'm in bed by 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night after I've done their homework, yada, yada, yada. That's wonderful. I have other students who tell me that they don't go to bed until one or two in the morning because they've got a list of things they have to do at the house to take care of their baby brother or baby sister, or they're in charge of cooking dinner and they sometimes miss meals and they are up doing all of these, you know, different assignments because the school, the school is challenging for everyone, but it's not necessarily that the students are operating with different mental faculties or that they, they all don't have the same abilities, but they all have different weights and burdens in their own, you know, inner circle, in their own home. And so for the kids that get this family time and, and to go to bed early and they're eating and they're sleeping right and developing uh, as they should versus the kids who are juggling a lot of things that young people shouldn't have to juggle, right? It, it's, it's nice to be able, something I'm doing with JNSA right now is I have scholarships that um, some students have, uh, I, we just started this last year. There are scholarships available, and one of the requirements is you have to demonstrate financial need. And so I have these students who are with me, and they're able to take lessons in a situation where they otherwise would not be able to because the family can't afford it. That's exactly the way Jesse Norman felt. And as we know, that's the reason she founded the Jesse Norman School of the Arts. It's poetic, really, that one Augusta opera star, Jesse Norman, left us in 2019, and another Augusta opera singer star is on the rise and picking up right where Miss Norman left off in her philanthropy. Deanna, looking at your life from a bird's eye view, you must, in some sense, because I know the kind of artist you are, feel an immense responsibility to your audiences to deliver your best performance every time and also to your local community as a voice teacher devoted to developing her students' abilities. What's more, you have a wonderful young family. How are you able to balance these tremendous responsibilities to so many people who need so many deeply emotional things from you all the time? And where does Deanna, the woman, the person, fit into all this? Well, answering authentically here, it's my village, it's coffee, uh, a good therapist. <laughs> And and for me, the Lord, my village is really is really wonderful. My husband has been one of my biggest supporters. My dad was the big big supporter, but my husband has really been in my corner from day one. If if you don't, if you're not happy at this job, quit. I'll take care of you. I mean, oh my God, he's a school teacher. They are not out here making six figures, right? But this is how much my life partner honors me. We're both musicians. We're very understanding of each other. And in doing that, we try our best to work our joys and our careers around each other. And then with our family, with our daughter, having my mother who goes with me everywhere is, is a huge help and blessing. Coffee is um, <laughs> very important to me. It keeps me going and fueled. And having a therapist, too. You know, a lot of the stigma is being taken away from this, thank goodness, now. But having someone to help me manage myself, speaking to where is Deanna and all of this. When my dad passed away in 2020, three weeks later, I gave birth to my daughter. Three months later, I graduated with my doctorate. The world was shut down. There was nothing I could do with the doctorate or singing. And I said, you know, if there was ever a time to seek some help, I think now is it. 
in doing that, I thought I was maybe going to get grief counseling or counseling for being a new mom suffering through grief. And one of the first things my therapist discussed with me was my schedule. And I thought, well, that's odd. But it was really important for her to figure out or to work with me on, okay, you've got all these things on your plate. For one, do all of the things you have on there have to be on there? Two, the things that do have to be on there, let's reprioritize them. And three, let's find time for you to give space and calm and rest for yourself. I had never prioritized myself in that way before. It's always been about my family. It's always been about the work and the art. And I find periods of rest in those things. But to intentionally focus on myself daily, I've never thought to think that way. Having her, you know, or someone to help you kind of just see yourself in the midst of seeing everything else is really helpful. I have a therapist too, and you're right. Complete game changer. Before we get to the six final questions, I have to say the more I learn about you, Deanna, the more I appreciate how you've integrated your truly unique lifestyle and career into the cultural landscape of everything you touch especially my hometown of North Augusta. Ironically, your efforts to bring an old art form have made you a modern-day innovator. You have terrifically impacted and continue to impact not just North Augusta and Augusta with your presence and your gifts. Your wingspan touches thousands of lives across the American Southeast. North Augusta is lucky to have had you and your family as members of its residential community, even if only for a few years. And... Because of your continued efforts in improving the community's cultural development, by the powers vested in me as host of North Augusta on Top, I hereby pronounce you an honorary forever North Augustan from this day forth. Yes! <laughs> no, seriously. I know for sure that if I were listening to this as a kid growing up in North Augusta, back when I didn't know a thing about classical music, and I heard this conversation on a podcast about my city, like many kids who are listening right now, this episode would have changed my life. You rock. Okay, are you ready for the six final questions? Let's go. <laughs> What's your favorite spot in North Augusta? Manuel's Bread Cafe. <laughs> I think I went there once a week for several weeks in a row. I say that shamelessly. Um, yes, that is that is my favorite my favorite spot. <laughs> what is your favorite memory of North Augusta? I kid you not when I say I had a date with two of my girlfriends at Manuel's when uh, we first took our daughter out for like her first outdoor post-pandemic or it was 2021. So it was still during the time, but that was the first restaurant we went to. And so I, I kid you not when I say this was my restaurant. I was there more often than I probably should, <laughs> should admit to being. What's your dream for North Augusta? My dream for North Augusta. Oh, I would love to see strong choral programs, of course. Christopher Layseth is at North Augusta High School, and I've heard wonderful things about them. But I would love to hear about more um, choral programs that are really strong from North Augusta. But Augusta has the Augusta Choral Society. I would really, you know, love to hear about a choral society in North Augusta. That would be super awesome. Using only North Augusta establishments, construct your idea of the perfect meal for us. When I saw that, I immediately constructed my full meal from Manuel. So I'll just give it to you there. <laughs> um, their red pepper hummus or their aioli and fries or fries and aioli appetizer, fantastic. 
Um, their salads, there are no salads that you can go wrong with there, but mine was the salmon cake salad. I really enjoyed that. And any homemade dessert. Gamecocks or Tigers? I'm not a sports person. Don't hate me. I know nothing about sports. I used to play basketball once upon a time, but (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Same. Hashtag same. (laughs) What advice would you have for the listeners out there who want to be like you when they grow up? Oh my gosh. Who want to be like me when they grow up. There's only one you. There's only one you. With everything that makes you you, you want to carve out a path that honors who you are, which means if you want to go into a field of uh, be a ballet dancer, it may not look like Misty Copeland's path. If you want to be an opera singer, it may not look like Jesse Norman's path. And honestly, it shouldn't because you're you and they were who they were. And I would say just listening to your self, your authentic self and following that, that's that inner guide, never trying to snuff that voice out. It's really important that we listen to that thing within us that won't quiet down. I always tell people when you go to bed at night, it's only you and your skin. So we can't be reckless and we can't be self-serving only, but we have to honor who we are and not shove ourselves aside. And I think if you can do that, any, any field you go into, any career or position you go into, any task you take on, whether you are a mother at home or you are um, a, an educator who teaches orchestra or you are someone who's working in corporate America, if you're always listening to your authentic self, I don't think you can really go terribly wrong if you just honor that, that person in you. Oh my gosh, where did this episode come from? Deanna, you are the answer to my prayer, and I so enjoyed having you as a guest on North Augusta on Top. I bet she is an incredible voice teacher, and if anybody wants to check out her website, which has information on how to sign up for voice lessons with her, if you're interested, I'll link it in the show notes. Thanks for blazing a trail, Deanna, and for showing us how living on top is done. Wouldn't y'all love to hear what kind of performance a singer like Deanna would deliver if she sang the national anthem at a Green Jackets game? Can somebody make that happen, please? Tell me when it's scheduled, because I want to come hear it in person. Big thanks again to Maddie Yurick for this episode's North Augusta moment, and to the Jesse Norman School of the Arts for keeping my hero's legacy alive and well by enriching our local arts education offerings. Listeners, want to be a part of the magic? Check out our online store, the North Augusta on Top shop, at northaugustaontop.com. The merchandise we've designed is completely original, and I have a feeling that other North Augusta on Top listeners out there will give you a high five once they recognize the t-shirt, running shoes, dog leash, the throw pillow, artwork, bumper sticker, you name it, that you've purchased from their favorite podcast's online store too. The next time you need a little online retail therapy or are in the market for a gift, birthday, holiday, housewarming, shower, anniversary, or just because we've got them all, consider the extra benefits when your gift comes from up top. Because no matter what you get in the North Augusta on Top Shop, every purchase makes you a true hometown hero. Until next time, this is Joseph Stanick, reminding all North Augusta on Top listeners that we're North Augusta. And we like it on top.